to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Well, happy post-election day, everybody. I hope um, wherever you were living, things worked out. Certainly is going to be interesting in this time of voter fraud, to say the least. Uh, and there's a number of things I want to go over here in this episode, some of which, of course, deals with that. And I'm going to get to that right off the top here. Um, first of all, the RSSI analysis or analyzer Bluetooth uh, app that I brought up in the last episode turns out it worked in particular places it did not it did not uh, pick up on any Bluetooth signals where I voted but it did pick up numerous Bluetooth signals where a friend of mine voted and they are located in a separate county but more in a in a rural area and they took video of it on their a screenshot of it on their phone and it showed, multiple Bluetooth signals with the exact same name but with different numbers associated with it. So I thought that was interesting to say the least. Um, and then, of course, the wheels started turning a little bit, and I thought to myself, okay, this kind of makes sense. We're, we're voting for the same people um, in the same election, and they are experiencing something completely different in their rural area as opposed to me where I am voting more within a city or certainly within city limits. Um, that makes sense from a voter fraud standpoint from from my angle, from, from how I see it. If Bluetooth is hooked up to Dominion machines in rural areas where they have a, a well, basically they just have knowledge of who it is that individuals are likely to vote for in those particular areas, then they're likely to have those Dominion machines hooked up so that they can either, again, fractionalize votes later on or potentially change them on the spot even though those machines should be printing out their receipts and their voting receipts. And again, you know, I always take picture of my my voting uh, printout, my voting uh, sheet w with my cell phone, even though, of course, it says on the door a big sign that says no cell phones are allowed in here. Th that doesn't matter. Uh, always take your cell phone into a voting booth, whether you did it this last time or not. Always take it in. Always take pictures of every single page that you're voting for, and then when it prints out your rig, if it, if it prints it out on the side, again, I was voting on a Dominion voting machine, but um, it prints out the receipt on the side and it shows you exactly who you voted for. What it doesn't tell you, of course, is whether or not the vote was fractionalized. And then, of course, we don't know who counts the votes. And then we don't know what, what thumb drives exchange hands and this, that, or the other. So the individual who, again, did this, I'm going to encourage them to take this to their county commissioner to explain to them, hey, look, here's here's who I voted for. Here's what my phone picked up regarding Bluetooth signals. And again, we're not talking about wireless speakers here. We're not talking about, oh, look, it picked up a wireless speaker over there with a brand name, and it picked up another wireless speaker over here with a brand name. It was the exact same name for every single device, but the only difference was, a num uh, was an actual number at the end of that name. That was the same for all of them. So, suspicious, to say the least. Again, I'm not I'm not fishing for suspicion. It just, it smells weird and it looks odd. Um, yeah. So again, I don't know if anybody else used that particular app that I suggested people download or not, but it's quite possible that again, 
they use those particular tactics in more rural areas to, again, fractionalize votes because they have a feeling that they know who they're going to vote for. So with that said, here's a piece of audio that I'd like to play. Uh, I just found this to be just awesome. Again, it's an excellent example of a student schooling the entire school board and catching them in their hypocrisy. And this comes from Douglas County, uh, Douglas County School District. I believe this is in Colorado, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, this particular student shows up to a school board meeting where apparently they have just decided to sue the health department. Get this. The school board has decided to sue the health department because the health department rescinded the mask mandate that they had in place. And again, these people don't know what the word mandate is legally. They think it means mandatory. It, of course, does not. And then, of course, as you might expect, the school board then reimposed their mask mandate, uh, only to have countless angry individuals, of course, and then, of course, plenty of sheep just going along with it, uh, firmly believing that the masks are helping everybody and going to save humanity. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer in this. These people cannot be saved. Again, the people that are dead asleep right now, they're going to remain that way forever. I'm, I'm really, I, I just, you know, I want to think that there's hope for them, but I just don't think that there is at this point anymore. I really don't. Again, in particular, these quote-unquote policymakers, they've been caught in so many lies that they, they have to do whatever they have to do to maintain that lie. But this is audio I'm going to play here. Again, I believe this comes from Colorado. And this student, again, catches them in their lies and does a nice job of schooling them. So here it goes. My name is Owen Wicks, and I'm a student at Sem School Highlands Ranch. Recently, an opt-out option had been put in place for those who didn't want to wear masks, which benefited, benefited me greatly. But after only a week of this, you're suing the health department to take away that which I find very disconcerting. It was, the, it was a health department that initially put the mask mandate in place, and under the guise of listening to the experts, you went along with it without any resistance, and now other experts are allowing people to opt out of masks. So you sue, despite the situation being very similar. Your logic and decisions are not being consistent, which makes it very clear that your decision is not motivated by what will be best for your students, but rather control and feelings. These feelings and need for control have crossed the line from annoying to illogical and borderline tyrannical. The sheer audacity that it takes to say that you know better than our own than your own health department, despite saying that the health departments have the experts, along with the parents, and more importantly, the physicians of the students, boggles my mind. There are plenty of doctors who have given valid opinions in regards to their patients that you have ignored because you think you know more than a doctor, with years of training and experience on top of direct knowledge of their patients' medical needs, which of, of which you know very little. As I mentioned... As I mentioned this in the in my last speech, I have a sensory processing disorder that makes wearing a mask very problematic for my learning and concentration. Essentially, masks make me feel as though insects are calling on my face at all times, and that is a reality you are trying to force on me again every day. This disorder is recognized by my doctor, which is the reason why she wrote a recommendation that I be exempt from wearing a mask. I, of course, turned this into my school while the mask mandate did not have an opt-out option. But much to my dismay, my school, STEM School Highlands Ranch, had the power to reject that note and continue to force me to wear a mask. This is what you are seeking to bring back through the suit you have filed, a school system where schools can overrule doctors without reason other than they said so. Is a stance that not only get 
that is not only against the advice of my doctor, but peer-reviewed control group studies published by notable medical journals that I mentioned last time, such as the American Journal of Infection, Infection Control, the Journal of American Medical Association, and the National Library of Medicine, along with others that I mentioned last time, but I don't have the time to list again. If you ignore this evidence and the opinions of my doctor, it shows that it is you, the school board, and the school system that is anti-science, not those who oppose your choices. Thank you. Thank you, Owen. Uh... Now, this part is hilarious, I think. This is, this is amazing. In this video, can't make this up, every single person who is on this board, and there's a bunch of people. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a large board. Um, clearly, the superintendent is there, the treasurer, etc., etc. Behind this student, in the first row, you have all women, double-masked. I'm not kidding. They're all wearing two masks all of them, and one of them is knitting. She's actually knitting, just not paying attention to him, sitting in the front row, knitting a sweater or a pair of socks or whatever it is she's knitting. These people are not well. That's, it goes beyond the word insane. Uh, they are completely disconnected from reality. And there was a moment in this exact same meeting, too, where another girl stood up and she was, again, the students aren't wearing masks, but she came up and she's talking about how, well, I don't know what she was talking about because it got cut off, but the president of the board interrupted her again and hushed the crowd for applauding and cheering what the student was saying because the president wanted to make it clear to the crowd that the crowd was making the environment an unsafe environment and that it needs to be a safe environment for everybody. And then some of the, I mean, people were laughing out loud at him saying that, just laughing at him. And then the women in the front row with the double masks turned around and just, you know, gave them the, the laser eyes. It was absolutely ridiculous. So again, I just... Uh, it's it's not only exhausting, but these people just can't be helped. The one the one point that he that the student made, which is beyond sound, um, and the whole thing was sound, but he made an excellent point about how the the sensory. Oh, I I mean, he refers to it as a sensory disorder. Um, you know, I I fully understand that that's a real thing. What I also understand is is that there's a larger point and sort of a bigger umbrella point that needs to be made regarding that. And again, it's been completely ignored, and I've brought it up on this podcast before, and that's that all of the research dealing with how people learn, how people see other people, how people read each other's reactions, how people teach, how people are supposed to interpret information, basic conversation that's supposed to take place between individuals. It's supposed to be done unrestricted. This exists in education literature, peer-reviewed scientific education literature. In fact, it's the whole basis for the entire pro uh, profession of speech therapy. It's, it's, it's the entire basis for that entire profession, which of course, as we all know, is perfectly interwoven within American K-12 education and in higher education. But all of that research now is being ignored. All of it. Every letter, every word, every sentence, every author, 
every minute, every hour that's ever been put into that research is all gone in the blink of an eye. None of these people have practiced anything that is relevant or rational regarding the actual science of just pedagogy, teaching and learning, how we teach, how we learn, how people instruct. It's, it's just all gone. So again, they've, they've, I've said it a million times, they've shown their hand, they've shown exactly what they're interested in. They're interested in totalitarianism. They're interested in full-blown control. They're clearly getting paid by an outside party to implement masks, then put it on paperwork so that they can continue to get millions and millions of dollars. And make no mistake, school board members are paying themselves. And they'll do it a number of different ways, but one of them is very simple. They just make a vote saying that we are going to compensate ourselves during this time of COVID. Through these funds, can I have an I? And then someone, whatever, says I or seconds the motion, and then they vote, and then they go yes, and then they quickly move on to something else. That's already happened in countless districts. So in the past, where these districts would openly say, we're not getting paid. We're public officials, and we're not getting paid. Ladies and gentlemen, this entire ushering in of all of this provided them the opportunity to see so much money in front of their faces that all they had to do was put it up to a vote as to whether or not they would start getting paid. And now they're getting paid. And they're paying themselves with, with again, it's blood money. But they're, they're paying themselves with corrupt money. These are some of, if not, the most immoral human beings that exist on the face of the planet. And these are the people in charge of what goes on within school buildings. So again... I know that's remarkably repetitive, uh, but that's just the way that it is. And unfortunately, I don't see it getting much better. Uh, unless, of course, individuals win particular school board seats and then they reverse everything. And I've said it before, but you've got to run a total bulldozer right through the entire district office and start cutting everybody loose. The district lawyer, the human resources department, all of them. Get rid of all of them. The district investigator, gone. Treasurer, hit the road. You just go through all of them. You, you, I mean, the first move you can make when you take control of a school district is you fire the superintendent. That's the first move. And you take up that vote immediately. And you don't need cause to fire them. They work, they work at the full discretion of the school board. Cut them loose. Buy them out of their contract if they signed a recent contract and then cut them loose. That's the easiest way to start that, you know, to get that train rolling. But to actually have the gall to sue the health department because the health department said, no, they don't need masks. And then the, <laughs> the school actually intervenes only to double down on the mask wearing. There's no hope for those people. I'm shocked that people are continuing to send, them, uh, send their children to these abusive environments. But there's a piece of audio I'm going to play here, and it might describe it. And again, this comes from Yuri Bezmanov, former KGB. His video, of course, has been around numerous times. He was in a multi-hour uh, interview a number of years ago, decades ago, as a matter of fact. And uh, I highlighted uh, the, his stages of uh, demoralization and his stages of creating a total communist society within the society. And of course, one of those steps is demoralization. So... Here's Yuri Bezmanov on what he said regarding those who are already demoralized. And again, school boards are demoralized because they're fully brainwashed. They do not know what's really going on. 
They do not know that this is a depopulation agenda. They do not know that this is designed to treat students and children as slaves, only to create a slave when they become an adult. So again, here's Yuri Bezmenov's quick clip on the role of the demoralized and how they can't be saved. As I mentioned before, uh, exposure to true information does not matter anymore. A person who was demoralized is unable to assess true information. The facts tell nothing to him. Uh, even if I shower him with information, with, with authentic proof, with documents, with pictures, even if I take him by force to the Soviet Union and show him concentration camp, he will refuse to believe it until he, he is going to receive a kick in, the, in his fat bottom. When a military boot crashes his balls, then he will understand, but not before that. That's the tragic of the situation of demoralization. And there's no doubt that the school board members are demoralized. No doubt about it. They're getting yanked in one direction, pulled in another, go home, turn on their TV, watch their television, believe it, so on and so on and so on, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. The sad part is that their actions regarding the mask wearing are only one part of their demoralization, which is why, again, countless individuals, myself included, have gone in front of school board meetings, told them the truth, just like Vanessa Hurst as well, been a guest on the podcast numerous times. It's like, it's almost as if you're staring at, at, at five or eight bags of sand sitting behind a dais or at a dais, and they just... They don't, I mean, there's just nothing there. Thank you, sir. Next speaker. Thank you. Thank you for speaking. Next speaker. They're gone. These people are gone. It just does not matter how much scientific fact you bring to bear on a particular issue. They do not, they do not care. I mean, they are illiterate, not just on this, but of course, education policy, education law. They don't know that they're breaking the law. They don't know, again, that the word mandate doesn't mean mandatory. It means voluntary. These are things they don't understand because they don't read. They just don't read. And I, I don't think there's anything worse than an illiterate school board member. I mean, a blind driving instructor? That's pretty bad, but it's in the exact same ballpark. You know, a, uh, I, mean, I don't know, I could keep going, I suppose, with those examples. <laughs> but you get what I'm saying. Um, it's just, they've been too demoralized by too many people now over the course of time that they learn to love the demoralization. It becomes a part of who they are. It becomes a part of what they what they are, what they believe. And, and that's, of course, deadly. That has deadly consequences because there's, I mean, that's the only outcome. That's the only possible consequence that can occur because I've said it again before, it's cumulative risk. If a person doesn't read and a person doesn't stop at the stop sign because they can't read, that car is going to go through a stop sign only so you know only so often before they end up in a car accident and they end up hurting somebody or killing somebody or whatever. So, yeah, that's the way that that goes. Uh, here's the next thing I'd like to read, speaking of demoralization. And again, it falls right into the line of, of the brainwashing that's been taking place. This has to do with how the latest Pfizer jab for children has had an ingredient added to it 
to apparently stabilize people from having heart attacks. So this comes from the expose.uk, and it's titled, Why Has Pfizer Changed the Formulation of Its COVID-19 Vaccine for Children to Include an Ingredient that Stabilizes People Suffering a Heart Attack? It says, quote, a document prepared for the FDA Advisory Committee meeting in which members voted 17 to 0 in favor of giving emergency use authorization for the administration of the Pfizer COVID-19 injection to children aged 5 to 11 confirms that Pfizer have modified the formulation of their injection for children to include an ingredient that reduces the acidity of blood and is used to stabilize people who have suffered a heart attack. This is not a good thing. This is way worse than ever before because, again, as you can clearly tell, it's a slight admission that it's killing people, causing heart attacks, inflammation, you name it. Uh, let's see. Oh, this is going to be a fun one. Vaccine, vaccine formulation. Authorization, quote, is being requested for a modified formulation of the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine. Each dose of this formulation contains 10... HG of a nucleoside modified messenger RNA, messenger RNA, encoding the spike, the viral spike, uh, glycoprotein. I love how they're admitting all the poison that's in this now. SARS-CoV-2 that is formulated in lipid particles and supplemented as a frozen suspension in multiple dose vials. It says the following, to produce, I'm sorry, to provide a vaccine with an improved stability profile, the BioNTech Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine for use in children 5 to 11 years of age, uh, tromethamine, if I'm saying that right, probably not, buffer, instead of the phosphate buffer saline, as used in the previous formulation and excludes sodium chloride and potassium chloride. Uh, that's funny. Again, you've heard me bring up potassium chloride in the past. Potassium chloride is what is in purified drinking water. And it's also what they give death row inmates before they're executed. Um, it continues, it says, the, the packaged vials for the new formulation are stored frozen at minus 90 degrees Celsius, to 60 degrees Celsius. And frozen vials may be thawed and stored at refrigerator at refrigerator at 2 degrees Celsius to 8 degrees Celsius for up to 10 weeks. The Pfizer BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine does not contain preservative. The vi uh, the vial stoppers are not made with natural rubber latex. And now a little bit more toward the bottom. Again, it says the ingredients when the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine was granted an EUA from the FDA, its ingredients list was published online along with other safety data. The list included the now excluded ingredients, sodium chloride and potassium chloride, and includes the additional ingredient tromethamine. TRIS. It says TRIS is a blood acid reducer which is used to stabilize people with heart attacks. Here are known side effects respiratory depression, local irritation, tissue inflammation, injection site infection, uh, febrile response, febrile response, if I'm saying that right, probably not. Uh, chemical, all oh, these words. 
Chemical philobitis. Again, none of this sounds good. That's always been my <laughs> that's always been my two cents and sort of my rule of thumb. If you can't pronounce it, it doesn't belong in your body. Pretty simple. Uh yeah. If you get tongue-tied reading the ingredients, don't put them in you. It continues here, one for vein spasms, venospasm, uh, hypervolemia, IV, blood clue, blood, I'm sorry, thrombosis, there we go, extra vasitation with possible necrosis and sloughing of tissues, transient de decreases in blood glucose concentrations, uh, hypoglycemia, and Hepatic necrosis with infusion via low-lying umbilical venous catheters. Mmm. Kind of sounds like a menu option there at the end. You can have some low-lying umbilical venous catheters as a side. This is horrible. It's absolutely horrible. See, they don't even care anymore about hiding the deadly nature of what it is that they're doing. They're 100% fine just flat out telling you. I think this is awful. Absolutely awful. Now, I'm telling you, I think that one of the things that's going to happen here, and I've, I've said things like this before regarding other particular subjects, but the cell phone is one hell of a weapon. And what we're going to start seeing now in the near future, and it, it's awful. I'm not wishing this. I'm not hoping this happens. I'm just telling you it's inevitable. You're going to have the demoralized, brainwashed parents jab their children, and then we're going to start seeing them on cell phone footage in schools having the adverse reactions to these jabs. That is inevitable that that's going to happen. Are you going to see that on YouTube? No. Are you going to see it on Twitter? Not for long. Are you going to see it on Instagram or TikTok? Maybe for a short second. It will certainly be on BitChute. People will start putting that up on BitChute. You'll see it on Gab. You'll see it on Telegram. That's the next thing that's going to start happening. Because again, we're hearing of the athletes dropping with chest problems and heart attacks. The countless adults that have been, that have been ill as a result. Again, briefly, very locally, uh, one of the teachers locally has just been diagnosed with cancer. A particular kind of cancer they themselves double jabbed. Probably not an accident nor a coincidence. Um, these are the kinds of things, though, that we're going to see with the 5 to 11-year-olds. And again, it's not going to be the teachers taking the footage. They're going to want to cover this up like nobody's business, unless, of course, those teachers have a soul and they know that they need to get this on footage to some extent. Hopefully, they're helping the child first. But that they get it on footage and then get it out to the public because the question then becomes how many minors are going to lunge for their cell phones if one of their peers ends up in the school and remarkably ill as a result of the jabs. So this is something that we're going to have to keep an eye on. I, I would encourage individuals to get this on film, not in some sadistic kind of way. I'm not a, I'm not a crazy person. I'm simply saying that Getting this on footage is important because you can't run away from this kind of footage. And then, and this is something I would just love to do, and I, I've, I've suggested this in the past when it came to board meetings, but walking up to a board meeting 
whipping out your cell phone and hitting play on a piece of audio of someone else talking about the experiences that they have had within a school building or whether it be mask-related or jab-related or whatever. When the parents start jabbing their children and their children start becoming deathly ill and dying, those parents are going to be on audio recording talking about what a colossal mistake they made. Those need to be played in school board meetings. Don't let the enemy run without being held accountable. Don't let them run away without shoving in their face what their own policies were promoting and what they were doing. I mean, hold it right up to them. It's no different than a dog who takes a shit on the carpet. And then, you know, a young one in particular, you rub its nose in it, you spank it, and then that's usually one of the last times they shit on the carpet. This has to happen with school board members. It has to happen with city council members. It has to happen with all of them. Again, I'm shocked that we haven't heard more of this yet because we know that there have been countless children who have vomited in school, thrown up in their masks because they can't breathe have chronic migraines now as a result of oxygen deprivation, and so on and so on and so on. Why, why aren't these parents showing up a little bit more, in particular their children, and, and saying, look, uh, you know, Sally, Timmy, you've, you've got to get in front of this microphone. I know that, uh, you know, this isn't your responsibility per se, but desperate times call for desperate measures and we're at war. So, you know, muster up the courage, let's go up to the microphone, and you tell these assholes exactly what's going on. That's the kind of thing I think that's got to happen. But we've also got to get this kind of stuff on footage. So again, I'm imploring anybody out there, um, please try to get some of this on footage. I know it's awful and graphic and whatever, but again, you can even send it to me, toss it to me on Gab, email it to me if you if you hear about a particular story like this, because this is the next thing that's going to roll down the line. And I just, I don't know. It's awful, clearly. It's inevitable, but that's the next thing that's going to roll down the line. Um, This is uh, a separate matter, and then I want to get back, and I want to play a a seven-minute audio, and then read one more thing, and then wrap up this episode. Just very briefly, I found this title to be absolutely hilarious. I can't even believe this was an actual thing. Um, This comes from the Insider Paper insiderpaper.com, and it's titled, Letter, Texas Governor Urges Texas Association of School Boards to Ensure No Child in a Texas Public School is Exposed to Pornography. That's an actual thing. And Governor Abbott of Texas wrote an actual memo, and it says the following. I can't believe a memo has to be written for such a thing. I mean, my God. Uh, I'm going to write a memo making sure that, uh, you know, naked people aren't running around schools because that's been the latest craze recently, so blah, blah, blah. Okay. It, it just makes no sense. How far we've fallen, ladies and gentlemen. It says the following, Dear Dr. Troxel, and again, this is from Greg Abbott himself, a growing number of parents of Texas students are becoming increasingly alarmed about some of the books and other content found in public school libraries that are extremely inappropriate to the public education system. The most flagrant examples include clearly pornographic images and substances that and substance that have no place in the Texas public education system. These parents are rightfully angry. 
Parents have the right to shield their children from obscene content used in schools their children attend. They are right that Texas public schools should not provide or promote pornographic or obscene material to students. Texas school libraries are governed by the respective by the respective independent school districts and by standards established by the Texas State Library and Archives Commission and approved by the State Board of Education. All of the accountable to the state. All are accountable to the state. Unlike classroom textbooks that are reviewed and adopted by the State Board of Education, library books and other classroom resources are to be reviewed at the district level. Collectively, your organization's members have an obligation to determine the extent to which such materials exist or are used in our schools and to remove any such content. You must also ensure transparency about the materials being taught in the classroom and offered in school libraries. Also, each of our schools should have an appropriate and transparent process to vet library materials before they are used. You think? It's, it's astounding. Um, and it wraps up last, last, couple, last sentence here. Uh, quote, you have an obligation to Texas parents and students to ensure that no child in Texas is exposed to pornography or other inappropriate content while inside a Texas public school. Sincerely, Greg Abbott. Okay. It, it goes without saying that that's the case, and that should always be the case. It goes without saying, and this unfortunately is one of the the worst parts about what's been happening in American K-12 education since, frankly, the early 1900s, when it became completely federalized. This was the plan. The plan was to make it a degenerate environment over the course of time that doesn't have real debate or an exchange of, well, exchange of opinions is not as productive as the exchange of facts. But, unfortunately, Multiple people misinterpret lots of different things. This is still going to get pushback. There are still going to be school districts out there that actually believe that such books are not pornographic and have moral lessons to them because we need to take everybody into consideration because everybody is a person and one person's opinion or lifestyle does not have to match another and blah, 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 blah. And they're going to come up with countless excuses to still have these. It's a nice shot over, over the bow. I don't mind that. Again, it was written November 1st and signed on November 1st. Good for him. But, again, it's just a perfect snapshot of how far we've fallen as a country uh, into just this immoral cesspool. This also brings up another issue in Texas, which I was going to make an entire episode about, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to mention it right here. They also have a, a law now in Texas where individuals are where school teachers have to have to include opposing viewpoints from multiple issues including the quote unquote holocaust now i'm not going to spend too much time on this i've mentioned this in previous episodes but i will say this if you're interested i can assure you that endless that that the subject first of all i'll, I'll start by saying this first of all i don't like the word controversial I hate that word. I detest it. And, and just like the word taboo, I've heard both of those words used interchangeably within multiple environments, in particular in education settings, when it comes to research, literature, you name it. Well, that's taboo. 
I had one, again, one professor at a conference, um, which I've mentioned the conference in the past, but they they were not an expert in violence in school, and they actually thought that researching and writing about violence in school was taboo. I almost flipped the table. I mean, it was just nuts. I couldn't believe that I was hearing it because, again, to talk to reference such an obvious thing as taboo just solely means that that individual who's bringing it up knows little about it. Again, the people who use the words controversial or taboo or would um, limit any amount of information about a singular topic or a singular issue gives away that those people don't know everything or anything potentially about said issue. And the quote-unquote holocaust which again is a blanket term for a moment in time and particular events that occurred during that time, has been so skewed from what really transpired that again, people don't want to believe that there might be opposing viewpoints that are actually more factual. They don't want to believe that that's the case because beliefs are a comfortable delusion. It's easier to believe something that you've been told or a Hollywood movie that you've seen about a particular issue and then just say to yourselves, well, that's the way that it was because I saw a movie about it and that was it. See, finding the facts and finding the truth takes some investigation. It takes not having an opinion. It takes being fluid to the point where you can absorb multiple information and multiple angles from countless different people in, in different areas, in different countries, I might add, and then connect the objective dots the best that you can. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I've gone down the Holocaust rabbit hole before, and I'm here to simply tell you. You don't have to believe me when I say this, but whatever. I mean, you can look this information up yourself. The mainstream narrative that is told about it has a lot of fallacy to it. And I mean a lot of fallacy. Endless books have actually been written by people who were there and who were witnessing what was happening. And they have different takes on things. But it's school teachers, again, who are a cog in a wheel, who are ingrained into believing that things are only one way. And how on earth could anybody question the Holocaust? What do you mean question it? I, that's insane. I've watched every Steven Spielberg movie about it. They must all be real. That right there is the problem. That when an educator relies on their tell-a-vision programming to provide them their, their, their sole education, and the people that they learned from relied on that as well as their means of education, then you have an issue. Because again, that, it, well, to bring it back to the demoralization thing, it demoralizes an individual from seeing the bigger picture. It pigeonholes them into just believing, believing, again, the word belief, not fact, but belief. They just believe particular things happened a particular way. So, if anybody's interested in watching something that you're going to find interesting, in particular if you don't mind having a 
belief shattered, potentially, under the weight of literature and scientific fact and a number of other first-hand testimonies, my recommendation is that you get on BitChute and you watch. Uh, uh, it's, it's one piece of a nine-series documentary that is titled Europa, The Last Battle, and it's part eight, I believe, which again covers the Holocaust from a European perspective and the European angle. They bring up, I might add, books that have been written about it, researchers who have researched it, investigators who have investigated it, previous literature that was written long before it ever happened, and what was actually going on during the time by bringing up actual, again, literature written by politicians and army officials and XYZ. Were there horrible things that took place? Yes. Um, were people were some people experimented on in particular situations? Yes. You know, did that happen? Yes. But there's way more to it than just this again blanket statement, which we'll consistently hear of. You know, a, one sole number of people who passed away, or that all of these people were executed, or X Y Z. I'm just telling you that it doesn't always work out that way. And people need to be very, very careful about about questioning something when, in fact, the very thing that they're questioning may have a little more, oh, I don't know, shocking facts behind it than what they think. That last part that I just said probably made no sense whatsoever. Um, but my point is, is that suspending belief matters. And relying on movies or TV to provide us the full perspective isn't doing anything justice. It's not doing the truth justice. That's certainly the case. So there was some audio that bounced around uh, a number of weeks back where there were teachers being talked to by one of their curriculum directors. And the curriculum director was bringing up this Texas law that said, look, when it comes to quote-unquote controversial subjects... Again, it's only controversial because some people don't know what really went on, uh, and they don't know the full spectrum of the, of the truth. But which is why they use the word controversial. It's like, um, well, yeah, like I said earlier, it's just a blanket statement for a lack of knowledge, because it gives them a, a basic excuse to not look anything up. And the teachers in the thing were in in this audio recording in this professional development session said something like. Um, what do you mean opposing views to the Holocaust? There are none. There are no opposing views. And then, oddly enough, they all started laughing. They all immediately started laughing as soon as they said that. And again, that's that's basic nervous laughter, as if to say to themselves, that's their brain's way of saying, wait a minute, we might not have the entire picture at hand here. We might not know everything about this. So there's that nervous laughter. <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> and then they just I mean, then that's it. But what's going to be interesting is that much like the cell phones in classroom settings, and much like the presence of internet among youth, if you have critically thinking youth who have critically thinking parents, those youth are going to know more about subjects than their own teachers. And those students are going to bring more subjects and more quote-unquote differing viewpoints on quote-unquote controversial issues into the classroom to challenge 
potentially a mainstream narrative or belief system about a particular historic event or or a time uh, you know a time in history those teachers are going to get a education of a lifetime and that education is going to come from their students all it takes again we've seen this before and you know this it it almost happens like clockwork every single year in american schools where someone will do a school report on the Holocaust, and there's just a little too much truth in that in that book report or that 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 public presentation or poster presentation that happens in a school. A little too much truth. That again goes against what is commonly referred to as the mainstream narrative or the Hollywood narrative. So it's interesting. I I always find these things interesting because, again, it's about learning. And when you come across someone who doesn't want to learn anymore, that person is dangerous. They're dangerous to themselves, and they're dangerous to other people. And, again, if they're in a position of a school teacher, forget it. Because then all they're doing is they're not actually learning first to then teach what they have learned. They are, in fact, just teaching what they've been told. And that's not teaching, ladies and gentlemen. That's indoctrination. So, with that said, switching gears here slightly and just returning back to the jab. An interesting post from GreatAwakening.win. An interaction between a patient and a nurse. And the nurse is revealing in a positive way about what's going on within their working environment. So it's titled this. It's titled, Interesting Conversation with a Nurse Today. It says, quote, had to go to the hospital for a couple procedures. They make you wear a mask, and yet nobody appeared to give a crap whether you wore it properly. The nurse that was doing the pre-procedure work asked if I was vaccinated. I told her no, and I do not consent to being vaccinated. She just kind of rolled her eyes, but not in a negative way. So I then said something about this whole thing being a bunch of bullcrap. I then said, quote, knowing what we know about the side effects, why would anybody who's already had heart problems, i.e. me, consent, unquote. She whispers to me, quote, we're not allowed to talk about that, unquote. As the conversation went on, she said that the doctors at this particular facility who took the first dose of the vaccine are refusing the second dose. Then she says to me that this has nothing to do with COVID and it's truly a battle between good and evil. She may sound strange, but after reading about people getting jabbed while under anesthetic, I was extremely hesitant about going through with these procedures and I prayed to God to keep me safe. Not only did he answer my prayer, but he gave me a small glimpse of how some, if not most, are playing the game just to get their job just to keep their job, but think that this pandemic is a scam. She also alluded to the fact that many of them are about fed up. That conversation gave me a little bit of hope that not everyone is asleep at the wheel, unquote. And I agree. That, um, that certainly does. We know that there are excellent nurses out there. We know that there are weak teachers out there. We know that these people exist within these professions. It's I think a, a fantastic opportunity if you have an interaction with one of these individuals who's completely awake, you can at the very least smile, to, smile at one another, wink at one another, and, and know that you're on the same side. 
because we've got to stay on the same side throughout this entire thing. So with that said, continue to have a great week. Hope you are anyway, and I'll catch you on Friday. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.